It's a jam-packed Monday. It's FRPC football. I'm your host, Vince Carter, and we are here to talk about the games this week, this this past weekend, and also get you set for the Final Four, the Championship Sunday. So I'm doing solo today, and uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, we're going to get this started for you. So first and foremost, let's go with a lot of notes that I have. We're going to start by asking the question, are we underestimating or underrating Joe Burrow? Now, you all heard all the usual suspects, Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen, you know, before the season started. Now, Joe Burrow was mentioned in there. I'm not going to sit here and say he was so maligned and all this. Do not get me uh, wrong with that. I just think that we were at a point where there were these names and then Joe was kind of behind them a little bit. And I saw the poise last year and I see the poise this year. But going into the season, there were still doubts. There were still, maybe they're just not ready. You get the whole uh, coming off the Super Bowl run. Are you going to have a Super Bowl hangover? Let's look at this real quick. Joe's played three years. So he gets into 10 games his rookie year. He's a promising rookie year himself, personally. The team is struggling, but his stats are 65% of his completions. He passes for almost 2,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, and five interceptions in year one, and that's 10 games. So... It was clicking. You could see there was change coming. You could see all of that. And now we're in that space where we're coming back for a year two. Now, mind you, at that point, they have a high draft pick. And all the media and the pundits are out there and they're saying, well, they should draft, you know, Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Um, They thought that he was a, you know, plug and play 12 year starter. And he probably still is for Detroit. But the Bengals, they saw a vision. And that vision was, we're going to reunite Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, his LSU teammate, and a guy that he has a lot of connectivity with. And a lot of people were like, whoa, this is crazy. I don't even understand why they would do this. You know, he's coming off an ACL injury, you know, Your offensive line is not great anyway. So why would you do this? Well, coming off that injury, Burrow and the Bengals, they go 10-7. and They get into the playoffs, right? They get to the Super Bowl, and Burrow plays amazing. Chase was a revelation, and that connection was just lit from the start, along with Boyd, T. Higgins, and the crew, their offense, it was ridiculous. So now we get into this year, and in the offseason, you hear, well, 
the AFC West is the best division in football. And there's like all four teams can make the playoffs. And everybody in that division is getting love. Mahomes, Herbert, the usual suspects. Carr got love. And then we added Russell Wilson. Josh Allen was still getting love for what he pulled off in Kansas City, even though it came at a loss. So he's there. Then in his own division, you know, you got Lamar Jackson. What's going on with him? How spectacular is he going to be this year? And then remember, there was the trade and subsequent contract of one Deshaun Watson. So that got a lot of play, too, in the AFC North. So Burrow just goes back to the lab. He puts on another stellar performance this year. He leads his team to an AFC championship. They win their divisional game against Buffalo, who they were not scared of. I mean, at all. Here's a stat for you, and I'm sure Cincinnati Bengals fans know this, but NFL fans might not know this. Joe Burrow has played in five playoff games so far. Okay? The rest of the Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks prior played in five playoff games. You know, less games, all that, but still, you think of the lineage of Cincinnati Bengal football. Now, for a long time, much maligned, but they're definitely on the uptick now. And you're sitting there and you're going, well, they had Carson Palmer and they had Boomer Esiason and they had um, Anderson, uh, Kenny Anderson. There's a lineage of quarterbacks and success that was there prior. But to think that Joe Burrow already has as many playoff games as the rest of the Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks prior to him, he's a franchise difference maker. We talk about Mahomes in this in this fashion. We talk about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers in this fashion. But I think you can put Burrow in that now. I think Burrow has earned that right to be named as a not just a franchise quarterback, but a franchise difference-making quarterback. He changed the entire dynamic in Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been known as a cheap organization, an organization that really doesn't understand winning. And by one guy, now listen, it takes a lot of people to win a football game. And I'm not trying to throw too much praise on uh, on Joe Burrow, but still, the mentality changed when he walked into that locker room because in his mind, it was, why not? Why not us? Why not now? Why do we have to wait? Why do we have to fall into some sort of pecking order? He did not get that at all. He didn't get that memo that it was supposed to be that way. And we're as football fans, we're better off for it. I'm so impressed with Joe Burrow in his uh, his play this year and, and also in his play in these pressure games. That's the one you know you got a dude. I think right now the only quarterbacks that I would put over Burrow right now and it's really close is probably Mahomes and Rodgers. Okay? And I really am... I don't want to be hot take, but... 
I think Joe Burrow is probably more closer to Mahomes than he is to Rodgers. I think he's actually probably a little bit better at this point in his career. The only thing is that he doesn't have the hardware yet. He has to get a Super Bowl because those things matter. We talk about Dan Marino, but we talk about John Elway higher in the hierarchy than Dan Marino. And Dan Marino was a co-quarterback. Ask anybody who played in that era with Dan Marino, and they would tell you he was probably one of the most dangerous people at the quarterback position at that time. So it's a uh, it's a tough situation. But Burrow has shown me enough that I can't doubt him anymore. I really can't. The one thing that I really, really love about him is just like the swag, the demeanor. Nothing seems too bright for him. The other thing is, too, is that keep in mind, you know, this guy was at Ohio State and then he went to LSU. So he's played at Georgia. He's played at Alabama. He's played in these big games. And it just doesn't seem like it's it's a different situation for him. It's just like it feels to me the way he looks at it. There's no difference between this and a Saturday night in the Bayou at Tiger Stadium. You know, there's just no difference for him. His ability to manipulate the pocket and also the uh, the defense is something that is underrated. I think that his anticipatory throws to throw Jamar Oaken or Boyd, T. Higgins, even Joe Mixon. And by the way, shout out to Joe Mixon, who had a hell of a game, you know, this weekend, you know, going over 100 yards, providing um, protection for Joe Burrow. And he just ran hard. And I was I was impressed with the whole game plan that Zach Taylor put together. So kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals in that win. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Mahomes right now. Okay. The Mahomes injury. Now, they're ca- they're calling it a high ankle sprain. I'm going to tell you right now, KC is favored by one point. Okay. It's in Kansas City, and they're favored by one point. And I'm going to tell you that I think Vegas knows something or has an inclination that it's a little bit more than a high ankle sprain. And I am partial to believe what the Vegas insiders believe. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to play because he is. <laughs> I wrote some I wrote some notes, okay? It didn't matter in the game against the Jaguars. He got hurt early. Now, he had already completed one jump pass to Kelsey, and we'll get to Kelsey in a second. But then when, once he got injured, he threw a jump pass off the other foot that wasn't injured, you know. So all is well in Kansas City for the most part. Now, when he was when he got injured, the emotions just poured out of him because you could tell he was really upset. He was doing everything in his power to get back in the game. He was just incensed about being not out there for his guys. I mean, true leadership. I mean, this. Mahomes, there's no question. We had no question 
for a long period of time. But seeing that on the sidelines, I mean, I know it sounds like super football guy, but hey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan first. I try to be very neutral when it comes to these things and try to be, in a sense, you know, not, you know, not, you know, not partial when it comes to these things. But how could you not respect this guy just trying to lay it out, all out there on the line for his team to get back to the AFC Championship game? It's a credit to him. It's a credit to his leadership. It's a credit to his toughness. It's a credit to his uh, pain tolerance. So, you know, I don't really have too much else to say about it. But it was a scene on the sideline when Mahomes is throwing his helmet and uh, you're seeing, uh, you know, everybody trying to calm him down. And then they finally get him calmed down enough to go into the tunnel and go have it looked at. Now, while all this is going on, 37-year-old Chad Henney walks onto the field. No pressure. You're at your own two-yard line. You know, this game is still in doubt. Now Jacksonville seems like, hey, we got a shot at this situation. And what does he do? 98 yards. Touchdown. Now, he had help. A 40-yard run. Well, the running back definitely helped. Pacheco played a, a, a really excellent game. McKinnon threw a block in the second quarter. Or actually, I think it was in the third quarter. He threw a block that was so devastating to Key Mahomes to throwing a pass to Kelsey. And I was like, that's amazing. That was an amazing block. And I wanted to mention it on the pod because this, this is the type of insight that I want to make sure you guys get is that if you go back and look at that game, I think it's early on, there's a play that McKinnon, there's a there's linebacker coming through the hole, and I mean, he just meets him, and he stones him and gives his quarterback, I think, a couple more seconds. Kelsey gets open, and it's a first down. So from that point, Mahomes manages the game, manages the injury, and they skirt out with a 27-20 to 20 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I don't know what that holds for this week. I really don't. But I'm more inclined to kind of lean toward Vegas a little bit. And I think the injury is a little bit more than they're reporting. Now, hey, I understand people want to know this information. They want to know what, you know, what they think I know. I'm not a doctor. But I would suspect that there's something broken in there. And they're not going to let us know. That That's an off-season situation. They're going to try to do everything in their power to get it right. There's probably going to be some sort of brace on it. Um, come Sunday, you can rest assured that Mahomes is definitely going to play. Superman will be in the building. No worries on that. Let's take a second and give the Jags some credit. Now, the one thing that I wanted to see from the Jags in this game is that they were playing with house money anyway. And would the lights be too big for Trevor Lawrence? Now, credit to that franchise, a credit to uh, Trevor Lawrence, a credit to the game plan that they had. They played loose, they played free, and they played to win. Now, you knew that in the end, talent 
was going to win out and Kansas City was going to win that game. But to see Trevor Lawrence just battle through that whole game and understand what he was going up against, and he wasn't phased at all. To him, this was no different than uh, some of the Saturdays he played at Clemson. And then there was the scene after the game. So if you haven't seen it on social media or, you know, if you look at Bleacher Report or whatever the case may be, there's Lawrence going up the tunnel after the game, after the loss, right? He stops, he turns around, and then he looks. And you can see he's looking, like checking out the scene. And then his teammates start to filter in. He greets every last one of them, like with a word, with a high five. And he's still looking back at the field. He's uh, giving reassurance to certain players. And the one thing about it is, is that he had the look of, we will be back. We will get there again. And to me, he answered all the questions about what his leadership is and what he's going to be. So Jacksonville, you can now go into the offseason with a sigh of relief that you know that the Urban Meyer stink is off of Trevor Lawrence. And that team is definitely going to be a stalwart in that AFC South for a long period to come. And just think, Calvin Ridley is going to be on your team. So stay away from DraftKings, Calvin. Don't place any bets. If you do have some sort of emissary that does it for you, there's no paper trail to you. Just don't bet on football, player. <laughs> you know, stay in the league. You got you got Trevor Lawrence throwing the football to you. This is gonna be a whole hell of a lot better than no offense, older Matt Ryan. And then what they pulled out there this year was Mariota and Desmond Ritter. So you got a real dude to throw you the football. So stay off DraftKings. And that's my tirade on that. All right, Calvin, you stay away from DraftKings. But the one other thing I want to say about uh, Trevor Lawrence and his toughness and the way he played, there was a third down and 10. This is late in the fourth quarter. I want to say with like five minutes plus or maybe four, you know, heavy four minutes plus. It was a third down and 10. Lawrence is dropping back to pass. He scrambles. Now, he's going for the first down. And I mean, he lowered his shoulder and laid into number 38 on Kansas City. And the smack that was heard was loud. He brought the wood to that kid and got the first down. That just further cements his leadership and what Jacksonville has to look forward to for years to come. You know that in the biggest games, in the tightest times, he is not going to shrink underneath it. So keep surrounding him with talent. Keep improving that offensive line. Get some defensive help. You still got Trevor on a on a rookie contract, so ride that as long as you possibly can. I think that Jacksonville makes a leap next year. We're going to talk a lot about Jacksonville in the offseason. So look forward to that. I almost feel like the Eagles-Giants game, it reminded me of that scene in uh, Return of the Jedi 
when Luke is talking to the emperor and then the emperor tells him that your friends are about to die because we have a fully operational Death Star. And that was what Jalen Hurts and uh, and that offense looked like. It looked like a Death Star that was fully operational. Now, the Giants played so well against Minnesota, but you could totally tell early in the game, Gable was not confident in the talent of his team and being able to keep up with the Eagles as far as scoring or his defense being able to stop them. Because there was a fourth and eight early on. It was around the middle of the field. They don't get it. And I mean, Daniel Jones just gets engulfed by a bunch of Eagles. Okay? Philadelphia goes right down the field and scores. It's 14-0. It's early. And then I had a note. And I want you to hear this. So at 9.28 in the second quarter, the Eagles had run 25 plays. 21 of those plays were in Giants territory. So not only are they efficiently scoring, they're scoring on a short field. I mean, you couldn't put the Giants defense in a more perilous position than they they were in at that point in time. A rested Jalen Hurts. They got their tackle back. They the defense was rested. Everybody was good. And the Eagles did what they should have done. Even hell, um Giants killer, Boston Scott scored a touchdown. It was kind of like, oh yeah, we gotta get the we gotta get the other dude in here. It felt like um it felt like a SEC team playing like a directional school, and it's like the fourth quarter. And, like, the the second string is in there, but they still scoring points. That's what it felt like. Now, I'm going to say this about the Giants, and then we're going to move on. This game, there's there's nothing to gain from this game as far as the Giants are concerned. You know, maybe more experience. But as far as the game is concerned, what you have to look for, Giants fans, is this. Is that you got a really busy offseason ahead of you. You got some decisions to make. You got a quarterback that's not under contract. Okay? Got some free agents. And where do you go in the draft? Is this is Daniel Jones your guy? Can you win with him? Can you put more around him? I think I even said on this podcast a couple weeks ago, maybe three, so check out the archive pods, that I didn't know that the Giants had real NFL wide receivers. Now, I know that sounds super disrespectful, Shout out to Hodgins, but they were really underproductive in this game. And I don't think it had anything to do with their want or their will. I just think they were outclassed. And I think now it's time to get some more weapons, you know, keep building, you know, the, the back end of that defense. But more importantly, who is the quarterback for the New York Giants next year? Did you see enough from Daniel Jones to say, okay, he's our quarterback? Or are you saying he's good, but I would love to see Dable with somebody a little more dynamic? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, Giants fans, but hit me up on Twitter at FrontRunnerPC. I really would like to know. I want to know from Giants fans, 
do you feel like you have the quarterback in the building right now? Because it was all it was all good and honey last week when you put the Minnesota Vikings out of their misery. But this week, do you feel the same? Do you feel like you got the guy? Let me know. Now, we're going to move on to Dallas and San Francisco, and then we're going to get to uh, picks and how it's going to all work out. But quickly on this game, um, I have one question to offensive coordinator uh, of Dallas, Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore. Was there any way to have a few more design runs for Dak? Now, you're telling me that San Francisco had gap, great gap integrity. Okay, I can understand that. I'm not saying Dak should turn into Lamar or Justin Fields. I'm just saying a few more a few more design runs, especially when you lose Tony Pollard like you did. That San Francisco defense is really good. It's really physical. But I think you have to show them some different things that might loosen up the passing um, the, the passing lanes. Now, keep in mind, too, I'm going to say something right now. Dak was not awful. I had a question written down here as the game was um, coming to a close. And I was like, was Dak awful? No, he wasn't. What Dak is, and I said it before, and I got a little heat for saying it, but really what Dak is, is a highly effective, like on the highest scale of game manager that you can get. But what goes along with a game manager is that everything needs to be right. They need to have good offensive line, multiple uh, passing threat, weapons, good running back, good defense, the whole nine. C.D. Lamb is not enough as your pass-catching threats. Listen, Schultz is good. He's solid. There's no shade on Schultz whatsoever. But the others, you need to be better. Now, I understand that Amari Cooper got really expensive and you didn't want to pay that guy. I definitely understand that. But... Dallas Cowboys fans, I ask you a question. And I'll just say this too. The two interceptions, and he said it, he has to be better. They killed us. You have to make you have to play mistake-free football in that in that situation. But Dallas fans, I'll ask you the same question. Where are you with your quarterback situation? Now with Dak, you have a little more runway, right? He's been in the league a little bit longer than Daniel Jones. Is this the best you can see of Dak? See, I think that you really haven't. Because I think a couple years ago when he broke the ankle, leg, the whole deal, I think he was about to have a really good season. And keep in mind, you still had Amari Cooper. The offensive line was healthy. And then Dak gets injured. Throws off your whole season. Then you go into next year. Now, takes him a while to get back, whatever. And then you start kind of breaking up the team because Dak has now become more expensive because Dak is in now the second contract. See, once you're in, once you're out of that first contract, it's not as easy to thread the needle and get the offensive lineman you need, get the defensive line that you need. And by the way, they got mauled. They got mauled by a really aggressive football team in the 49ers. But again, where are you with Dak Prescott? Now, I'm turning the page to more notes because I took a lot of them. So bear with me. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Brock Purdy. He, I think he played his worst game so far. And that dude is still 7-0. and And he got his team as a rookie to the NFC Championship game. This is really, this is stupid at this point. The quarterback position is supposed to be hard. It's hard to play. It's hard to play if you're a three-year vet, let alone a rookie that didn't get any kind of snaps or reps until Trey Lance and Jimmy G got hurt. Yes, I understand that he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick in the last round, coming out of Iowa State, had some promise early on. Senior season wasn't as good as the junior season. Has some, you know, just has some promise. But if you tell me that you expected this from Brock Purdy, man, go play the lottery right now. Go fly to Vegas right now and put some money on the roulette wheel. Because if you knew this from the get, congratulations. Actually, please DM me at Frontrunner PC so we could talk strategy and business. San Francisco has the best talent from top to bottom in the NFL. Let's just look at the offensive weapons. We're not going to talk about the defense, which is amazing. It's amazing defense. Bosa is a sack leader and one of the front runners for, you know, defensive player of the year. So you got that. But just look at the offense. San Francisco is an absolute cheat code on offense. And let me explain why. You got Debo Samuel, who is a wide receiver, who can then slide into the slot, who can then slide in to the running back position and do just as equal a job, great a job in all three aspects. Oh, by the way, he blocks like a mother. Then you got Christian McCaffrey. So he's a pickup. You you get him late from Carolina. I, I'm gonna tell you, I my first thoughts on that were like, um, that's a lot of capital to give away for Christian McCaffrey, who gets injured a lot. But he's a running back that you can put in the slot, and he will run slot routes. You can put him at a regular wide receiver uh, spot, he can run wide receiver routes. You have no idea when they're in the huddle where any of these people are going to line up. And it gets worse from there. You got Kittles, who's one of the best, he was one of the best blocking tight ends in football. An Iowa guy. Shout out to Hawkeye Nation. You can play him as H-back, or even fullback, and he runs routes like a wide receiver. Really unfair. Then you have Brandy Ayuk, who's a young wide receiver who's really competitive. 50-50 balls, he's trying to get them. And the 49ers are one of the few teams that deploy a fullback. Jusek is uh, amazing. He can line up as fullback. He can line up as H-back. He can line up as an extra tight end. He's a tremendous blocker. He's definitely uh, going to pick up on blitz pickup if he stays in. The, if he stays in, he's not running routes. They just have so much versatility, just with their base offense, and that's the thing that's a killer. 
is that you have no idea just off their base offense when they're in the huddle where any of these people are going to line up. So now we're at the point where let's talk about the games that are coming up. Championship Sunday, we're here, and we got picks, and I'm going to give you what I think is going to happen. All right, the first game we're going to look at is we're going to look at San Francisco and Philadelphia. San Francisco is going into the link, okay? Philly is favored by two and a half. The over-under is 45 and a half, and these odds are from DraftKings. DraftKings, come see your boy for possible sponsorship. I'll be a shill. No, no worries on that. We're trying to get paid on this podcast as well. As far as entertainment, we want to definitely give you that. But we also trying to get paid. So here we go. Here's 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 the game in the synopsis, okay? Can the Eagles defense make Brock Purdy look like a rookie? So far, nobody has stood up to that challenge. No one. Basically, they're going to have to control the line of scrimmage. It's all the same football talk that you've heard time and time again, but I'm going to say it anyway. Basically, what you want to do is you want to put Purdy behind the sticks. You want to put him off schedule, okay? For our fans that might not know what that means, basically, that terminology is we're looking at second and tens or larger. We're looking at minimal yardage on first and second down. So then we are in an obvious passing down on third. Now with the 49ers, that's just really, really hard to do. It's hard to get them in those situations. Can you make Purdy make a mistake too? Like a real mistake where it hurts, interception, fumble, sack fumble. That's the type of pressure they're going to need to get on him to be successful in this game. Now, as far as Philadelphia is concerned, they're playing a really great defense, an aggressive defense. But they have something that San Francisco really hasn't faced yet. Jalen Hurts is that quarterback where the design runs are successful and his ability to create more time allows A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith to get open. And anytime that you give a couple extra seconds to those caliber of wide receivers, you're always asking for trouble. So the defensive backs are gonna have to they're gonna have to cover like no other. That's a rhyme. That's pretty cool. I didn't know I was gonna do that. I'm just flowing off the top of the dome right now. You know how I'm doing it. Now with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith out there, and you're trying and you're getting extra time from Hertz, it's a recipe for uh, for disaster for the San Francisco defense. So they're gonna have to get pressure with four, which they can. So the line of scrimmage battle is going to be absolutely interesting to me. Now, if I had to, I'm concerned about Hertz still. Even though he played well, the one thing that I will say is that you can see that he was nursing things along. Now, he managed the game well. He made the throws he had to make. But when he ran the football, you could tell that it was, it was a little tentative. Now, I don't know if that means another week 
some more practice. He feels a little bit better. And we get even a better version of Jalen Hurts this week, which is scary for San Francisco fans, but it could. If we get Jalen Hurts, who played last week against San Francisco, I think San Francisco wins this game. Philly is favored by two and a half, and the over-under is 45 and a half. Here's what I'll say about this. When you have two teams that are this closely together as far as talent is concerned, um, I do believe that San Francisco is just a wee bit more talented, like across the board. But they're close enough in talent, right? They're pretty much equal when it comes to that. And my rule is, is that if everything is equal, better quarterback wins. So the other last key to this is that, and it's a question that I have, will Shanahan finally unleash in the postseason? I know he's a great schemer of offensive plays, but he tends to get a a wee bit conservative in the playoffs. Great schemer of offense, great um, chess player in the regular season, but we've seen Shanahan in an offensive coordinator role and also as a head coach. And we've seen him in type situations become a lot more conservative. So I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. But you want picks? You got picks. Eagles 23, 49ers 19. I believe the Eagles will cover, take the under. I think it'll be ball control, especially if Jalen is still not 100%. And I think he'll just make enough plays to win. Because like I said, if everything is equal, take the better quarterback every single time. Now we move on to the Chiefs and the Bengals. And um, to me, this is Superman versus Lex Luthor. And I'll say it just like this. DeMar Hamlin was in the building. Okay. It's a pretty emotional situation for everybody. But you know who wanted to spoil the party? Joe Burrow. I don't think Joe Burrow gave one cent of care about what Buffalo wanted, what the theme or the narrative was, Joe Burrow was like, nah, we coming in here crashing this party and there's going to be some people going home upset. And I think, I think they take that into Kansas City, which Kansas City, you're favored by one point. You know what that tells me? Your quarterback is more injured than they're letting on. Burrow is 3-0 against Kansas City so far in his career. He's been in this position at Arrowhead. That's not going to scare him. How many catches will Travis Kelsey have in this game? That dude had 12 first half catches. He had 14 total. Now, Kelsey gets into that range. We got a, we got a problem, Cincinnati Bengals fans. Just let you know. You cannot let that dude go 14. You got to double team him and you got to make Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Valdez-Scantling beat you, okay? 
as much as I like Jarek McKinnon, who's become a late season uh, sensation, scoring touchdowns and catching touchdowns out the backfield, I'm still looking at Kansas City's running game, and I'm not scared of it, especially if Patrick Mahomes is gimpy, which we know he will be. So his rushing ability will be severely compromised in this game. A little bit of an X factor, like if you're playing like daily fantasy, Boyd always has some sneaky high-volume catch games and like big games for some reason. So see what his over-under is in receptions. Just take a look at that. Take a look at the over-under in yards for Boyd for Cincinnati. Because this might be a game where Jamar gets a little more attention and Boyd is one of those third down six dudes that gets you 12. So just a little, you know, a little nugget for my uh, gambling friends out there. So it's time to pick this game. So the over under is 47. And like I said, the Chiefs are favored by one. Kansas City, I can't ride with you. I can't ride with you. I'm picking Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. I am picking the over in this game. I think 55 points is written all over this. I think we have a 30 to 27 game. And this time, Patrick Mahomes has no time on the clock to bring his team back. Now, so far, I've been pretty I've been pretty successful in the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. It's been a pretty good playoffs for me. Uh, not, a, not a lot of blemishes at all. But those are my picks. This is what it is. And we're done. So enjoy football. Enjoy Championship Sunday. And we'll be back here Monday to review it all and then talk about some news that's going on in the league. And then we'll probably do the Super Bowl um, preview the next Monday, right? Because we'll have two weeks to worry about it. So with that being said, you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back on this feed at on Friday for the basketball pod. And Nico will be with us. So, Solo Vince is off the air for today. You guys have a great one. And again, I just want to thank everyone for their uh, listenership and, you know, hitting me up on Twitter and telling, you know, telling me, you know, how good the podcast is. It's just, um, it's pretty rewarding. And we hope that we continue to get better and better and more consistent. And we're going to have more stuff on the website coming up soon. So look out for that. And again, my Twitter handle is FrontRunnerPC. And Nico's on Twitter is at NicoFRPC. And hit us up and let us know how you think these games are going to go. If you have any questions about your season, your team's offseason um, checklist, uh, we'll be putting those together fairly soon. And again, I'm so grateful for everybody who tunes in and listens and uh, tell a friend, let them know what, we, what we're doing here so we can build this community 
and we can just uh, even create more moments uh, down the road that I'm looking forward to. We got some stuff that we're trying to get cooked up here. So for Nico, who wasn't here today, and we'll see him on Friday, I'm Vince, and man, you guys have a great Monday, and we will see you on Friday. Friday.